So our, our David and Niti are involved in um, an Ichthus church um, link in um, London, and, um, and they were at a conference yesterday. And the, I'm mentioning it because um, I think that there are one or two people here who know already, but there may be others who don't, that um, Roger Forster um, died um, during the week. He was in his 90s. Um, his wife, Faith, I don't think is yet in her 80s. She was very much younger um, than Roger. But Roger Forster um, has had a lot of influence. And um, the Lord used him to um, birth um, the Ithus Fellowship, which is still going strong um, under new leadership. There's already been a handover um, some time ago. So um, let's just pray for the Forster family. Father, we pray for... Um, faith, we pray for um, their family as they um, mourn the loss of Roger, and we thank you for him and for his ministry for you. What a servant he was! Um, we bless you, and um, we pray for um, the Ichthus Fellowship across London for your blessing on that um, church community, um, and we pray for them as they mourn the loss of Roger, but also give thanks for what he has done and what continues and because it's your work and not his we praise you and thank you as we commit that to you in the name of Jesus amen um so this morning um i i i called this um conversing with god and conversing with god um, and i i sort of got a few things i i really really want us to sort of be really thinking about prayer um, as individuals and together. So I'm sort of challenging us all to be thinking about our praying, about what praying is, and about improving our prayer lives. And, um, and I want um, to sort of speak into that today. Um, so I, I was brought up in a, a Christian family, and um, which... Um, you should just think of as a great blessing and praise God. Um, it didn't always seem like that to me. Um, <laughs> it, it, it didn't. Um, it raised challenges, faith challenges at times. Um, but um, one thing that I remember, and I think there's lots of things in the Christian life that we just sort of learn incidentally. Um, you know, you can listen to this preach and um, get bored and go away and, you know, you haven't got anything from it. Um, I, I pray that won't be the case, but uh, but I've learned things in sort of little snippets from nowhere. So um, my I, I used to tell my mum something. This happens very very often indeed. I used to say something to my mum about something I was thinking about or um, wondering what to do, and she'd say, "Well, have you prayed about it?" And I and it would sometimes annoy me. Honest, I don't, it's terrible to say that, isn't it? But I've got this little thing ringing in my ear. Well, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? And um, actually, I know she really did pray. Um, after my dad died, she um, joined one of the um, pretty new, um, um, bursting out charismatic um, churches down in East Sussex. And um, she hadn't really worshipped that way. She, she, she said, it's like a touch of heaven, she used to say. Um, but I, I remember more than one person from that saying, oh, we love your mum. 
she, she's really got the gift of prayer. And, you know, they would have these sort of worship things, people would be prophesying and sharing scriptures and whatnot. And, um, and my mum um, quite often would pray. And uh, people used to say, we can't pray like Esther. And um, I, that's, that's how she was. It was amazing. I remember one ridiculous snippet where I overheard something. Um, again, because of being in a Christian family. So we were, we were at this guy's house um, who was very friendly with, with my dad. And, and they would share together Christian stuff. And, and I heard a sort of like half a sentence. And, and this is the half, the half sentence that I heard that I can still remember. Um, I, the other day I was, I was praying, you know, I was, I was talking to the Lord um, as, as I was doing the washing up. You know, like you do. Like you do when you're washing up, you're talking to the Lord. I don't know how old I was, but I've never forgotten that. And somehow, you know, it really went into my mind. Oh, why are you doing the washing up? You're talking to the Lord. Or whatever you're doing, you're talking to the Lord. And it was, yeah, just overhearing this. I think I've shared that with Liz, but I don't think I've really shared it with anybody else. What a mark that made on me. Um, okay, so um, this sort of thinking about prayer is, comes from the fact that we've got a motto. We don't want it to be just a motto. We want it to be something we're living out. And it's 1 Thessalonians six seventeen to 18. But verse 18, five, verse, five, sorry, five, five yeah. <laughs> I've actually written down six here. Thanks, Pete. We had an exchange about this. There's only five chapters in Thessalonians. <laughs> in my notes, I wrote a, an extra chapter f- to Philippians as well. And um, you'd like to know, Pete. I don't know what was the matter with me. So, um, 1 Thessalonians 5, um, 17 to 18. Pray continually. Always be thankful. Pray continually. Always be thankful. Now, I want to just point out that there's a really strong link between our 2023 motto and this year's 2024 motto. And I think it's really important to get the link. Because again, last year we really wanted to get hold of this idea. And um, so what was it? Somebody remembered the verse from last year, um, last week, when Steve asked. Everybody should be shouting it out. You see, he's got it, he's got it. You need to keep saying it to the others, so that the others get it. Right, okay, so look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Psalm 105, verse 4. How do we do that? Well, several ways, but prayer is the main way in which we do that. That's the way that we seek God's face. That's what we call prayer, seeking God's face. Prayer actually grows our knowledge of God. It grows our experience of God. But it also grows our knowledge of ourselves. Somebody in our life group um, last week when we were um, talking about prayer said... Why, why do we pray? God knows what we want before we pray. Why do we pray? Well, we pray for all sorts of reasons. Jesus taught us to. But one thing is we actually learn about ourselves through prayer. 
And we certainly learn about God. But Paul saying pray continually shows that prayer is not something that is done only in a special building. Or you'd be locked up in a special building all the time. And I guess if you um, do take that literally, you might go to a monastery, actually, and be in a building. But it isn't something that's only done in a special building. A temple or a church, as we call buildings where Christians meet. Neither is it only something to be done in a specific place at home. Jesus said, you know, going to your... Going to your closet, going to your bathroom, going to your loo and pray in secret. But if that was all that prayer was, we could be in the loo all the time, praying. It's not about being in a specific position. And it can't be limited to words spoken out loud or we get into all sorts of trouble, wouldn't we? And I guess that even silent prayer can't be properly carried out continually. So, if we're to take this seriously, and I think we are to, um, there must be, as we know there are, a whole many ways, different, huge variety of ways of praying. And so I just want to read from Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to read um, verse 18. And this is Paul speaking, and he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Don't pray for my release. Pray that I can share the gospel wherever I am. Now, before these verses um, are some verses that are really, really important in connection with Christian living. Because Paul, um, in the verses beforehand, talks about the Christian life as a sort of warfare, a battle. And he's not um, thinking about the Crusaders or anything ridiculous like that. Um, but he is thinking, you know, we do have a battle on. There is a battle in, in heavenly places, in the spiritual world. We have battles in our lives, don't we know it? over, you know, what we want to do and what we know we should do and so on and so on and so on. Um, it, it just happens all the time um, that we're involved in those sorts of battles. And, and so Paul, um, straight up with it, talks about the Christian life as a battle. It's a battle for truth. And, you know, we do need to be in the battle for truth in our, in our um, world. It's a battle for right living. It's a battle for spreading the good news of peace. Don't we just need that? It's a battle for experiencing God's salvation, God's redemption, God sort of delivering us um, in, in all sorts of ways, actually. It's a battle which involves knowing and using God's word. 
and Paul gives us images, as some of you will know, and for all these things. These are essentials for living out God's kingdom, truth, right living, peace, experiencing God's salvation, knowing and using God's word, essentials for living out God's kingdom. It's about standing tall, you see. It's about being equipped. It's about being confident as Jesus follows. How often do we not feel confident as Jesus follows? Oh, do I dare say this now? You know, do I dare do this now? Do I dare go against the grain? Don't we just need confidence in so many situations in everyday life as God's people? We just need that. And it isn't about confidence in ourselves, you see. It's not about who we are. It's about who God is. That's where our confidence needs to come from. And so for this confidence, for these resources, this faith, truth, right living and so on, we need to be in touch with and to stay in touch with the Lord himself. Because that's the source of our life as God's people. God himself through his spirit. Our resources are in him, not in ourselves. Don't we know that when we're in those struggling moments? Help. I can't say that. I can't do this now. I'm being persuaded. I'm under pressure. And we feel our weakness. We need God's strength in those situations. And that's why Paul gets to this um, at the end of it, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. A guy called James Montgomery wrote a hymn that we don't sing. It's an old hymn. and um, But some of these old hymns got fantastic words. And, and, And here's a phrase from this hymn that he wrote. Prayer is the Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air. What a fantastic image that is. You know, we breathe in order to stay alive. We need oxygen. Well, James Montgomery's thinking about what Scripture says about prayer, and he's saying it's like, it's like the breath of the Christian. We breathe God through prayer. Beautiful, beautiful picture. So we're going to be spending a few Sundays thinking about prayer. We're particularly going to think about specific prayers um, in the Bible um, that will help us. But, you know, there's so much you could do. So we're just sort of touching on different things. Go on thinking yourselves about prayer. Um, and, And then we're going to be leading up to Easter. We're going to have a baptism at Easter. And then um, after Easter, we're going to be spending a few weeks thinking about something under the title, Life on the Front Line. That fits in with Ephesians, okay? And it's a little series that we're going to do, um, which we are um, buying into, literally, um, about how to be church on Monday to Saturday. And I think it's really exciting. I'm flagging it up now. It's how to be salt and light how to take God's presence out, how to grow God's kingdom on the front line. And life groups are going to be invited 
um, to spend time on this. It's only going to be five weeks. But there you are. That's something to look forward to. And it really needs to be part of our praying, our prayer. It comes out of our prayer. And we will be thinking about um, some aspects of prayer um, as part of that five-week course. So I'm really excited about that. Now, those are a few things that I wanted to say about prayer. And then I do want to look at a character. I just want to look at um, a prayer that has had massive um, influence on me in my life. That's really why I'm sharing this. And, um, and I think you can, you can read this prayer and miss one or two things that fascinate me and that I, I just really love about this. And, and some of you are familiar with it. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, Some of you are not at all familiar with this. I'm really pleased about that because it's got some catches in it that people who know it really well can miss out on. Okay? That's the point about it. It's got some surprises. So the prayer is found in Genesis 18. And I only really really need to read it and make a few comments. And that's all I want to do. But I want us to get this message from it about this sort of... These, these surprises and what we can learn about God and what we can learn about ourselves from this prayer of Abraham's in chapter 18 of Genesis. So, obviously, it's a prayer that is recorded from thousands of years ago. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how. Um, we can read these things and they just speak so clearly into our own situation so often. Um, and Abraham um, is referred to, we refer to him sometimes as the friend of God. And that's because um, James refers to him as friend of God in his little letter in the New Testament. So he has been in scripture called a friend of God, somebody who's very, very close to God. Um, he had a very special relationship with God. And the story um, that the prayer comes from begins um, at the beginning of chapter 18. Um, I, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's some real strangeness about this story, if you really think about what it's saying. So um, I'm just going to read the only verse. Love it. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Marmara, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. So here's Abraham, just maybe having a bit of a rest. It's, um, you know, afternoon snooze time like you have in hot countries. And Abraham is sitting in the doorway of his tent, and it's pretty hot, and he's not doing very much. And the Lord appears to him. And when we read the next verse, we find that the Lord appears to him like a man. I don't know quite what you make of that. And he's with two other people. And the Lord speaks to Abraham. That's how this is written. And let's not go into that, but let's just accept it. And, um, and he, he, he speaks to Abraham about something massive that's going to happen. And that is, he tells him that his wife, Sarah, who's far too old to think about having children, is going to have a baby. It's going to be Isaac. It's going to be the seed that leads to the development of the nation of Israel, through whom God is going to bless the whole world. So it's about the birth of the seed to Sarah. She's sitting inside the tent. She hears it, and she has a jolly good laugh. That is mentioned in the New Testament. 
In one place, it's called Laugh of Faith, actually. Which is quite interesting about how you can interpret scripture in different ways. So, Sarah laughs. Anyway, um, this message is given to Abraham, and, and, then, and then, love this, it, it's, it's just fascinating. In verse 16, they finish, the message has been given. When, and I'm going to read it now, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, a city. And Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he would direct his children and his household after, after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Perhaps I ought to tell him this. And then in verse 26, it says, so the Lord said, <clears throat> okay, um, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, their sin is so grievous, that I'll go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom. That's the two, I guess. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Then the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I'm nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may not the Lord be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 could be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if 
only 20 can be found there. He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then Abraham said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left. And Abraham returned home. Conversing with God. It sounds, doesn't it, like Abraham wants the city of Sodom to be saved. It sounds like that's what he's praying for, isn't it? He's praying for the city of Sodom to be saved. But actually, he's not that bothered about Sodom. He's terrified because his nephew Lot lives in Sodom and he doesn't even mention him to God. He somehow, for some reason, I don't quite understand, not able to speak directly to God about what he actually wants. So he has this long sort of conversation with God, bargaining with him, thinking how many are there help, how many are there help. God probably wouldn't save it for four, that's Lot's family. There must be some others. And he's sort of trying to get round God by saying, you know, you're not going to destroy righteous with wicked, are you? Because you're a God of love and you do do justice and you will judge, I know that. But you won't judge the righteous, will you? But he's not mentioning what he really wants. But I can tell you how the story ends. The story ends with Lot and his family being taken out of Sodom before the city is destroyed. So what Abraham wants is given him by God, even though he couldn't ask for it straight. That's the story. I I love it. It's just fantastic. Jesus says, your father knows what you want before you ask. And there are plenty of scriptures which show um, that God is able to give us the desires of our heart. He still wants us to pray. So what are the lessons about God and ourselves that we can take away from Abraham's prayer? There are loads. So I'm just going to mention a few. The first thing I want to say is, uh, to me... It's a massively important lesson that prayer often starts with the Lord himself putting something on our hearts. Just remember in that story, the first thing that happened was the Lord thought, I'm just going to share with Abraham what's going to happen to Sodom. 
So he shares it with him. And Abraham thinks about what the Lord has said to him. And that starts off his prayer. And I think that, that, that we will find that very, very often. The Spirit of God, when we're his, will touch our hearts with something. And we'll begin to think about it. And we might have a sense that this is God speaking to us. We might not, but it's there. And it sort of grows. And I could give you so many stories about this happening to people I know. And it certainly happened to me. I I could talk about it in relation to this place. How I had a thought. I wonder if, I just sort of sense that maybe... um, Maybe we've got something to do in Thatcham at that little chapel. And then it obviously also occurred to Mike and Elizabeth because they had a word with me one day when I was preaching here and said, do you think you might better help us from Glendale? Because, you know, we're fading out. And... And you just sort of let it rest in your heart and your mind and you think about it and you pray about it. And, and then Mike approaches Ian Campbell and says something very specific. And then I'm preaching and Ian says, do you know what you said about the vision for Thatcham? I just want to tell you that Mike has approached me and said, would we like to have use of? And then we pray into it. And we don't know how it's going to end. We don't know how it's going to end. And even when we've joined up, we don't know how it's going to develop. So we have sort of monthly prayer. We do not know how Glendale is going to be worshipping with its style when there's been a group of people worshipping with their style. How is that going to happen? How do we manufacture that? Will we pray? And we pray. And then, I'm not saying this is why COVID came, but COVID comes. And suddenly we've got a place to broadcast from, which we didn't have before. And then the place begins to open up and we're still broadcasting. And somehow we've got to where we have. And we didn't have a set out road plan. We had a sense of God calling And speaking to us. And we engaged in conversational prayer with him. In different ways. And here we are today. And we can think God has moved here. And God has moved through prayer. We can just see how real God is to Abraham. I mean, you know, there's... there's, the story tells us there's an actual man there who is the Lord. We read that how, how we read it. But the fact is that it shows us how real the Lord is to Abraham. How real is the Lord to you and me? Because often I think he's not that real to me. That can lead to praying. And opening myself to him. But if we don't believe that God is real. We won't communicate with him. We won't pray. 
But if we really believe that God is real, we will pray. Steve sort of opened last week with that idea. I think that's a really important lesson that comes through here. Of course, prayer is like a conversation. That's just obvious. And then I've already said, the Lord hears and listens to our prayer. He listened to Abraham. He was really patient with him. He was so patient. Look, stuff it. I'll do what you want. (laughs) Yes, I'll do that. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. You still haven't asked me what you really want, Abraham? When are you going to ask me what you really want? Oh, you're going away now and you haven't asked me what you really want. Well, I'll do it anyway. The Lord hears and listens to our prayer. He sees our hearts and he knows that sometimes we can't express what we really want. And even if we can, the way that we want it is not the best way in the end. And he's got the best way somehow. And he'll work it out. Trust him. And I also think we often say, you know, prayer isn't asking God for what we want. We say it so much that we don't say enough. Prayer is asking God for what we want. It is. We can ask God directly for what we want. He's our father. He may not give us directly what we want. If he'd given Abraham directly what he prayed for, the city would have been destroyed with Lot. If God gives us exactly what we're praying for, we don't know what the consequences might be, but God does. But he wants us to come to him as father and ask boldly. We can come to him and ask for healing. Just because we know that the person might not be healed doesn't mean that we shrink from praying for them to be healed. Just because we think that this can't happen in some aspect of our life doesn't mean that we should shrink from praying for it to happen. Let's pray for the impossible Because God is the God of the impossible. And he's the God of the unexpected. And when we're in communion with God, when we're exercising that breath, which brings us in touch with God, we can pray things and we can have all sorts of unexpected answers. And that's just such a wonderful thing. But we need to engage with it. We've got some really great prayers in um, in Glendale, haven't we? And um, we can learn a lot from each other about prayer as we go through this year. Um, There's a massive amount we can learn from people who don't stand at the front about real praying. Let's learn from each other. Let's learn from the Lord. Let's let's think praying. Let's, um, Let's make prayer our breath as we go through this year and um, we will see God work but we'll recognize God working where he would be working already and he is working but if we're in line and praying then we recognize his work and we praise him and thank him and we're with him and we walk with him and it's really exciting